so y'all can sit here and ask me all the questions y'all want to. I'm here, so I won't get fined. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball and went down and got points, we got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. Been erroneous reports, people questioning my loyalty to him. That is absurd. Next question. Next question. Next question. Next question. Next question. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. You were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. On tonight's show, we are going to be discussing the new head coaches and offensive coordinators of the NFL and their impact on your Dynasty roster. Uh, this guy sitting in with me tonight, he is not my normal co-host. Uh, but he is not the new offensive coordinator of the Dynasty Warzone, but he is someone you will see quite a bit this offseason. Uh, the hottest free agent. I guess he's not a free agent now because he's with us at Player Profiler. But uh, he was here with us last week, uh, Mr. Dan Williamson. Dan, what's going on, buddy? Man, always happy to jump on the Warzone with you, Randy. So tons and tons of fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this topic because this is something I've been diving into for a couple weeks myself. So uh, it's good timing. Yeah, and we're going to do it not a little bit differently, but we're going to do it in, in hopefully not a boring fashion. Uh, I think this is one of the things, again, we love rookie content. We'll have rookie content. I believe personally between now and NFL free agency, I think Jerry and I, who he has to work, but we moved tonight's show to Monday because we too are football fans and we thought we would watch that thing called the Taylor Swift Bowl. And we watched it, and I am not a Taylor Swift hater. I am glad that she... Uh, she took part, but Dan and I are going to cover the Super Bowl in place of good people, bad tweets. But th this is incredibly important, in my opinion, especially, Dan, you, you can chip in from a best ball perspective, how these coaching changes from a seasonal standpoint, because Dan's one of the, and I'm not saying it because he's my guest, I'm saying it because it's the truth. Dan is one of the best and biggest stakes best ball players in, in the game. So he knows exactly how... Uh, much is on the line when we're talking about this. But we're going to get into all that and more. Let's do our one commercial, and I'll be right back. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can... Add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer. So you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set this is a win now team. This is a rebuilding team. And then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side by side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the app store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing. And it's going to be well worth it. It is most definitely worth it. And if you're looking to put some of those league winnings to good use, the Dynasty Dominator is a great thing. If you're if you're watching live on YouTube, you saw the flub. You I had why would you put the DFS Dominator and the Dynasty Dominator? Why would you call them both the Dominator? It's of no help. It's yeah. of no help. But if you're listening to this on podcast, you'll have to literally go back to the YouTube and check this out. And, and please, please go to the YouTube, subscribe, notifications on off, whatever. But subscribe, that helps the show. It's the freest way to help the show. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on podcast. Huge for us. Now, Dan, there was this event last night. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called the Super Bowl. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, man. Um, you know, what Ric Flair say? I don't have a Ric Flair drop, at least not this drop. But Ric Flair famously said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. 
And right now, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs, they are the men. They are dominating the professional football world. Dan, um, in, in lieu of good people, bad tweets, what were some of your dynasty takeaways from this game last night? You know, dynasty-wise, I think it was kind of interesting because Purdy has continued to kind of uh, settle back to the pack, I think, a little bit. Uh, you know, he was absolutely ripping up the league early on, and now he's just kind of, you know, he's still running a good offense. He's still got great weapons, but, you know, when when he's up against a little bit tougher competition, he's had a little bit more of a hard time with it. So uh, it makes me a little bit more nervous about Purdy. I don't think he's going to lose his job or anything, but uh, definitely uh, something to think about when I'm wondering how he's going to finish relative to last year. I mean, it's... It's so high time if you still can, I think. See, I'm kind of the – I think Purdy played okay. I, I, I didn't I didn't think he was, I don't know, necessarily awesome. I mean, he was 23 of 38 for 251, one touchdown, and no interceptions. The trick play with Jawan Jennings to Christian McCaffrey was just, oh. <laughs> just a chef's kiss as the way they executed that. But the problem for me – it's not a problem. I think it comes with maturity and growth and being in these situations. I heard Mike Lombardi say this today. It's one of the podcasts that I listen to in my personal rotation. He was like, had that been Tom Brady back there when they were bringing the zero blitz and the fire blitz? And, you know, he's like, Tom would have changed the protection. Brock does not know enough yet as year two, Mr. Irrelevant. He is, he is not well-versed enough yet at this point in his career to be able to make those calls. I think he actually looks really good. No mistakes, no big flubs. The mistake was Christian McCaffrey. And I, it's he's an easy target, and I don't think he's a fair target. It's easy to pick on Kyle Shanahan because now he's lost three Super Bowls. But this is what happens in the big games. You get tight. I don't know. I think from Dynasty, I'm still in on Brock Purdy. I think he'll continue to grow. Um, because he's so cheap, they'll be able to keep Ayuk and Debo and Kittle, and the gang will will will, will stick back together. So from a, what we do, which is dynasty, and in the case Dan Dan does dynasty and best ball, you know I think Brock Purdy is going to be a fine piece because those regular season points are still going to be there, and and that's what matters to me. I also really like the way the offense is flowing through Isaiah Pacheco in Kansas City. You just saw the number of Dan. What are your thoughts on Pacheco? Yeah, I think, you know, Pacheco has looked good uh, with McKinnon being hurt most of the year. It kind of allowed himself to distance, you know, himself from uh, from McKinnon. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we know, is just, you know, he's just a guy. But sooner or later in Kansas City, they're probably going to want to add to that running back room. Uh, you know, I like Pacheco fine as a hold. I'm not going out and seeking him out, but I'm, I'm not going to sell right now either. Yeah, I'm definitely in on Isaiah Pacheco. Eight, now, he wasn't super efficient with his 18 carries, but 18 carries. And I believe he had had 21-plus in every game of the playoffs. So I think his playoff average across four games was 20 total touches or, excuse me, rushes per game. And then the thing that I really picked up on last night was the more usage of him in the passing game. He had six catches last night. So let me ask you this. Would you rather have Isaiah Pacheco or Tajay Spears in Dynasty? Seasonal, I could see where you may. I, I would probably take Pacheco there. Yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm, just I'm better definite. team. Better yes. team. Yes, Be better team. I expect them to add to the wide receiver group. You know, good wide receivers. You can get that pass interference. And, again, we'll see if he can handle this kind of a workload. The thing that really intrigued me, though, is in your point about Jarek McKinnon, he's old. Clyde Edwards Alaire is a free agent. They'll draft somebody or they'll, or, or they'll bring somebody in. Um, but I still think Isaiah Pacheco is going to be a value. And I am uh, I'm pretty high on him. Uh, one last guy before we get into the head coaches. What are your thoughts on Rishi Rice? We I mentioned before we hit the record button, I'm in the middle of uh, dispersal. And it's a super flex tight end premium. And I was torn between pick 108 overall and Rishi Rice in this dispersal. And I ultimately went with the 108 because it's super flex and tight end premium. We've got, in my opinion, at least of what I have you know, studied to date, three premium 
uh, quarterbacks. We have a premium tight end and then some really good wide receivers. So that was a pretty good area of the draft. So I went ahead and did the draft pick. But I bring that up as to put it in context that I was I was debating between the player I would get at 108 and Rishi Rice. What, what are your thoughts on Rice? Do you think he can avoid big-time competition and be the guy here? I don't know that he can be the guy, but I think he can definitely be a guy, a, you know, a good contributor. Uh, you know, what we saw coming down the stretch this past season, that's probably a little bit too much to ask for him next season. But I think he's a guy that you can definitely be throwing in as a wide receiver three or a flex or maybe a wide receiver two if you're lucky. But, uh, you know, he's got that he's got the rapport with Mahomes. Mahomes has kind of learned to trust him. And, you know, there's definitely something to that. Plus, we don't know when uh, Kelsey is going to, you know, kind of fall off the cliff here. Uh, you know, we it, it was probably hard for anybody who had Kelsey all regular season to watch the version of Kelsey that showed up in the playoffs because it was like, where was this guy all season, you know? Uh, he did all right in the season. You know, he's, he did good. You know, it sounds funny to complain about a guy who very nearly finished tight end one and say that's not nearly good enough. But w with what we've seen from Kelsey and then what we saw, you know, in previous years and what we saw in the playoffs, uh, the regular season was a little bit of a disappointment. You know, we, we keep mentioning best ball because it's the, I mean, startup season's right around the corner. We're getting ready to do our next startup at our, our patron at patreon.com forward slash dynasty warzone. But I would tell you, do not be surprised if this is the modus operandi of the Kansas City Chiefs as it relates to Travis Kelsey going forward. He's went from your everyday family SUV, the Chevy Tahoe, the Ford Expedition. You load up all the kids, the dogs, the groceries, and you drive everywhere in it. And they're going to slowly transition him to like grandpa's Corvette. You only bring it out when it's sunny. There's no rain in the forecast. It's not too hot. And I, I think that they'll start to limit his, not limit, but like not put him in a position to take a bunch of wear and tear. Because when do you need Travis Kelsey to be Travis Kelsey? In the playoffs. So I could see them continue to governor him, limit him, uh, look to get other guys involved. Because the Chiefs know it's just about getting to the playoffs and making that big run. So if you can use this Kelsey renaissance as a, a maybe a final chance to sell super duper high uh, to a fellow contender or whatever now would be a super great time so we're not going to go dana white for all you dana white fans i i do have a surprise next week i'll have a new dana white drop i i i heard one over the weekend and i said that'll be a drop and, and that'll be a drop next week but uh for now we'll, we'll go with this one because that's who i am i'm hurt and i'm old and i'm fucking tired and i work with fucking children all right there you go. That is uh, tonight's drop. And uh, let's get into these coaches. Now, I want to do this a little bit different. I'm not going to go line item by line item, and we're not going to go through all of them in great detail. Because when you take the head coaches combined with the offensive coordinators, it's 14 guys. It's 14 guys. What I'm going to do is I was when I do head coaches, if I think the head coach is going to determine the offense – I'm just going to say the head coach. If it's a defensive-minded head coach, I'm going to mention the head coach and the offensive coordinator, and then I'm going to mention just the offensive coordinators at the end. I'm just going to bullet point these the same way we would recap a mock draft, and then we'll we'll dive in, you know, ones we like, ones we don't, um, et cetera. And then at the end, because everybody loves trades and, and buys and sells, we're going to equate this to some some buys and sells. So here is the list. Uh, we have Jim Harbaugh. I think he'll call the offense for the L.A. Chargers or have a big hand in it. Brian Callahan coming over from Tennessee. He's now the head coach of the Titans. Dave Canales going from Tampa Bay to Carolina. Uh, you got Dan Quinn, who is an all-defensive-minded head coach, but he's bringing in Cliff Kingsbury to Washington. You have Raheem Morris, who is bringing in Zach Robinson from the Rams with him to Atlanta. You have Gerard Mayo replacing Uncle Bill Belichick, and he is going to have Alex Van Pelt as his OC. Van Pelt comes from the uh, Stefanski offense in Cleveland. Uh, Antonio Pierce is going with Luke Getze, most recently of the Bears. Then you have Mike McDonald. He is promoting a or hiring, I guess he's not promoting, he's hiring a college offensive coordinator in Ryan Grube or Grubb 
from the Washington Huskies. And then the new OCs are Joe Brady permanently with the Buffalo Bills, Dan Pitcher with the Cincinnati Bengals replacing Brian Callahan. You have Ken Dorsey replacing Alex Van Pelt in Cleveland, Arthur Smith in permanently for Matt Canada in Pittsburgh, Shane Waldron replacing Luke Getze in Chicago. And then one that I, I just noticed today, to be honest, that I'm really intrigued by is Clint Kubiak with the New Orleans Saints. So there's all 14, and that's a lot. That's almost 50% of the league is getting some kind of an OC shakeup. Now, in the case of guys like Dan Pitcher, um, Joe Brady, we saw his offense the last half of the year. You know, you have to assume that Dan Pitcher is just going to status quo. You think you know, so we're going to go through these. So, Dan, I, I mentioned all of these um who are your favorites? Who who are the franchises and the dynasty players that won? Yeah, so it, franchises that won, I think um, anybody connected with the Falcons won because Arthur Smith is not there, and he was just a big drag on that offense. Plus, we're going to get a new quarterback in there. Uh, so there's a lot of things looking up for the Falcons. So that's, uh, that's one of the places I like. And with Zach Robinson as the offensive coordinator coming out of the Rams, you know, he, he knows how to uh, modify the system to be a little more run heavy, a little more pass heavy, uh, you know, and can kind of suit it to the, you know, suit a scheme to fit the players. Uh, so I, I like that a lot. Uh, I also like uh, uh, Brian Callahan uh, in, in Tennessee because he's got Will Levis. I mean, I think this is a Levis-centric hire. They, they went with Callahan because they have a new uh, quarterback to develop. And Callahan has been able to do that. Um, I think he's going to be the play caller. So, um, and and he he's also um, got his dad as the offensive line coach there, uh, who came out of Cleveland. So that's a nice thing too, because uh, Bill Callahan is uh, you know well known as a you know one of the best offensive line coaches out there. So that's going to help out a lot as well. So those those are probably my two favorite. Um, Kubiak probably goes somewhere between intriguing and favorite, uh, just because I think he can help bring that offense, uh, you know, bring out some some better results from uh, the Saints' offense. You know, the Saints' offense, I thought, you know, really when you look at it, it they did all right last year, but the results just, you know, the overall result just didn't match what the individual pieces were doing. And so hopefully Kubiak can do that. Um, I think Olave is probably the one who's got the most to gain from that, though. Yeah, I agree. And Clint Kubiak, for those of you that are, you know, not been on this earth as long as Dan or I, um, Clint Kubiak is the son of Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak famously ran offenses in Houston. Um, Minnesota. Minnesota. And I say I was drawing a blank on the other one. But a very, very effective run game coach. And, and and I had Clint Kubiak listed as well because just like the the, the Shanahan's et cetera, um, I reached out to my guy. My guy is Dallas Hyder. He does a show on our network. So if you're listening to this on Player Profiler, you need to go over to the Dynasty Warzone and subscribe because that's where you'll catch Dallas. Because I because I was putting this show sheet together and I, you know, I, I, I DM Dallas and was like, Hey, what are your thoughts on Kendra Miller? in this Clint Kubiak offense. And he was like, well, he won't get a lot of receptions with Alvin Kamara. And I think the the piece of the puzzle that Dallas missed is that the Saints are currently 80-some-odd million dollars over the cap. And they get a lot of cap relief by potentially moving on from Alvin Kamara. And I think he may even have suitors because he was the same draft class as Christian McCaffrey. We see how well he's playing and when Alvin Kamara was playing, he was playing at a very good level. Um, I think Kendra Miller is a guy that benefits from this. The one that I wanted to bring up, because I, I see a pro and a con. Um, we won't talk buys and sells yet. You mentioned Zach Robinson. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question, Dan. Do, do you think that Bijan Robinson is a better running back than Kyron Williams? Yeah. 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 I, I, the, I, I think that's fair to the say. Simple, the simple answer <laughs> that was is my best, that was my best Jerry, you know, the, the, the yeah. pregnant pause and then, yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, the simple answer is yes. 
So if if you're Zach Robinson and you spent the last few years with Sean McVay and the Rams, you know, when was this offense, you know, really, really good? Um, now, they won the Super Bowl a few years ago, but look how much more efficient and how much better they did overall this year by leaning more into the running game. Puka had a good season. You know, Cup was okay when he was healthy. He was, you know, banged up a lot. But I just think to myself, is like, man, if Zach Robinson uses him, him being Bijan, the way that that Kyron Williams was used in L.A., that everything Bijan GMs have ever dreamed of could come to light. The one that I I, I think that people, and we're going to talk about this in the the buys and sells. Um, the one that I don't think people are going to love and, and they think they're going to love and they're going to talk themselves into it's Drake London. Well, Puka Nakua and, and Cooper Cup flourished in that offense. Hashtag plug in Drake London. He doesn't play the way that Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua. I'm going to be very curious to see, very, very curious to see who they bring into that receiving group in Atlanta. Because if it's a, a young guy or like a free agent, I'm going to be very intrigued by that guy, Dan. I well, you and I see uh, Drake London quite opposite then, because I'm I'm very very happy to get some Drake London shares, if for no other reason than his volume is going to go up. I mean, he's he's no longer his perceived target. volume is going to go up. I, I his targets are going to go up. My my uh, my, uh, my thought is that's going to be Kyle Pitts, and that hurts to say that was my pregnant pause. It, to to me, it's 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 Kyle Pitts because um, I think they'll line him up in the slot. I think they'll do unique things with him. Um, I would have to look at, to be honest, I would have to look at like a complete route distribution on Drake London. Just most of what I see is that big body outside guy. And, and what do we see a lot of dominating with Puka this year, Cup two years ago, is those drags and those little routes. I don't know that Drake London does that. That's my fear. We'll get into that here in a minute. A couple other ones that I like. I'm not a Jim Harbaugh guy, but it's hard not to like Jim Harbaugh. Uh, every time Jim Harbaugh has had a good quarterback, he does well. He did well with Andrew Luck. He He's done well with um, uh, Kaepernick, was okay for a while. And then this past year with J.J. McCarthy. So I absolutely love this for for Justin Herbert. You already mentioned my guy Levis. Um, I mentioned Kendra Miller. Another one, two that actually three that I'll throw in. I really like Shane Waldron for Roshan Johnson. Now the Bears have got a ton, and when I say a ton, T O N ton of cap space, and this is a big free agent running back class, so they could potentially go out and splash around. Still not going to be afraid to acquire Roshan. This has got a very Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard scenario written all over. I like I like Roshan with Shane Waldron. I like I like Dave Canellis for Bryce Young. They've got to make that head coach and quarterback combination work. We saw the renaissance with Baker under Canellis this year in Tampa Bay. And then the one that everybody loves to hate. I tweeted out his success as an offensive coordinator last time. His name is Arthur Smith. This has got to be huge for Najee Harris. I think it's huge for Pat Fryermuth. We'll get into all those. Dan, out of those three, Waldron, Canellis, and Smith, which one of those three do you like best? I'll take Waldron by default because I've got Canellis uh, on the, my least favorite hires, and uh, Arthur Smith. I, you know, he, he he's great for the NFL uh, for dynasty or for you know fantasy game. Whether you're talking dynasty, best ball, whatever. Uh, not so great. Certainly not for the passing game. He's he's fine for the running game, but again, if he splits it between two backs, he kind of fuzzes that out as well. So uh, it it just makes him a, a tough guy to love in uh, the fantasy world. All right. Well, speaking of guys that are going to be tough to love, um, which ones do you like the least? Um, you just mentioned one. You you, you don't like Canellis. Um, What's your issue with with with, with Mister Dave Canellis? Handsome, he might be the handsomest hire. You know, if, if we're going with like that Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Cliff Kingsbury, handsome as like a as like a reason to like somebody. I mean, Dave Canellis is the top of the handsome list. Oh yes, no doubt about that. And you know, but the thing is, he's got a bad ownership situation to work with, and I have to wonder a little bit. 
Um, you know, with Dan Morgan as a general manager hire, and then Canales is kind of his buddy coming in. Uh, you know, did, did Tupper hire these guys because he thinks that's what's best for the franchise or because he thinks they're going to be easy to control? Uh, and I, I kind of wonder if he thinks they're going to be easy to control. He's, he's just, you know, I, I, I just don't like getting involved in situations with just bad ownership up top. And so even though I like Canales, if Canales had gone anywhere else, he would probably be on my list of favorites. But because he went to Carolina, that's a tough one. And, um, you know, and that's no disrespect to Bryce Young or anything else. I Hopefully Bryce Young can be better, but I'm also a little bit worried about a, a, a smaller quarterback who cannot run around like Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, when he's just sitting back there trying to be a, a, a pocket passer, that's a, a tougher way to succeed. Has been done before, for sure, uh, and maybe maybe he can do it, but it's just a tougher spot to succeed from. So I just see a lot of headwinds with from Canales. Yeah, I, I think Tepper, I think he's smart, and I, I don't think, I know he's smart. He's one of the best hedge fund managers in the world. I mean, he literally you know, just cashed out some Apple stock out of his portfolio and bought the Carolina Panthers for, I think, Three or four billion dollars. Super smart guy. I think guys like that. He seems to be. I think the perception is is that he's like Jerry Jones, very hands on. But I think he's learned that he can't, and hopefully he lets Dan Morgan and, and Canales do it. I think Canales can dial up an offense. Uh, I believe they'll be big in the free agent pool. They've got they they cannot they cannot lose T Higgins or Mike Evans, or one of the premier wide receivers. Nothing against Johnny Mingo. I don't think it, he's him. Uh, not one that that, that I, uh, I believe. But, but I think that Tepper will learn to, to, to meddle less. I think, I think that's the best owners. I mean, how often do you see Hunt in Kansas City out there, Jerry? Uh, Jerry. See, it's an old habit. Dan? <laughs> Dan, Jerry, it's all the same. Right, right. But I'm not convinced that that's, that's where Tupper's going with this, though, because, you know, this is Tupper's toy. He's got his business side, and then this is his, you know, this is kind of his his toy, his plaything. And I just don't think he's treating it quite the way he needs to, because he thinks he knows everything because he's a good hedge fund manager. He's 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 got too much of an ego going right now, uh, and I haven't seen the evidence yet that that ego has been put into check and that he's got to understand, hey, I got to let people understand this game better than me, make decisions, and I have to be okay with, you know, not jumping in and saying, no, we're going to draft Bryce Young and things like that. I don't know that he's learned that lesson yet. So I, I, I will wait until I see that he has. One of mine, and it's not so much him, but I, the promote from within guy, Dan Pitcher, with with Cincinnati, I mean, okay, okay, it's it's not super exciting. I don't know how much of that offense that Zach Taylor actually runs anyway. Speaking of coaches that come over from spending time with with Sean McVay, um, they're going to be bringing in a new running back. I didn't love that one, and the other one that I didn't love was Ken Dorsey. I didn't love that offense in Buffalo. I don't know how big his fingerprint will be on the Cleveland offense because Kevin Stefanski by and large, runs the offense. Now, I could see a situation. I could see a situation where Ken Dorsey did have a good feel of calling the right plays at, like, the right time. So I think it's kind of like playing Madden. Uh, it may be a bad analogy, but Stefanski loads the playbook for Dorsey, and Dorsey's up there in the box calling the plays. Uh, th that, that could be okay. That was one that I uh, – wasn't a huge fan of. Now, the one on your list, because I have the show sheet, um, the one on your list that I want to talk about is Antonio Pierce. What are your uh, your dis your discomfort on this uh, this guy? Yeah, so, you know, Antonio Pierce could end up being Dan Campbell, right? But I'm a little bit worried that he doesn't really have a lot of vision. What he's got is a lot of enthusiasm. He's got, you know... Uh, he, he does things 90 miles an hour, and you know what? That that was working as an interim coach. I'm not sure that's going to play long term. I was, you know, 
Maybe I'm making too much of an offhand comment too, but uh, you know, at the Super Bowl uh, during Super Bowl week last week, he was asked why he hired Luke Getze, and he said, "Well, uh, they hung 30 points on us, so uh, you know, and their quarterback was uh, Tyson Bagent, and uh, their running back was uh, Donta Foreman, or you know, whoever it was for that game, and you know, he he just mostly seemed to be impressed that." he was able to hang 30 points on my defense. And that just strikes me as being a pretty poor way to hire an offensive coordinator. I don't, now, I'm sure there was more into it than that, but given the fact that I'm a, not a big Luke Getze fan to start with, and then you, you hear that kind of logic uh, being thrown around in public, and it's just, it's, it's not a great look. You know, I just wonder whether, uh, you know, Mark Davis just, decided to finally capitulate and say, I'm going to listen to my players this time. And maybe this might've been the exact wrong time to do that. Yeah. He didn't want another mutiny on his hands. I will say the one thing um, you're right. People are going to consider Antonio Pierce, the next Dan Campbell For, from a raw, raw standpoint. I think what you're hoping with Antonio Pierce is that he's actually the next Mike Tomlin. And it's not because both guys are African-American. It, it's because both guys come from the defensive side of the ball and they're motivational head coaches. People, again, they, they, they continue to miss. And you're, I've heard this, the, the same comparison with Dan Campbell and, and Pierce already. Dan Campbell was an offensive guy. He was a tight end. And, and Antonio Pierce's coaching experience pales in comparison to what Dan Campbell came into the league with. He had spent many years with Bill Parcells and Sean Payton. Uh, he had an interim head coaching stint in Miami that that he had to learn from. And I think those are the differences. Are they both awesome motivators? Yes. Do they have the potential to do good things? I, I think they both do. The one thing that Antonio Pierce did that I really liked was went out and hired a veteran mentor to put on the staff. He went out and hired Marvin Lewis, former head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think that's a really smart move. Remember when Sean McVay was the young up-and-coming Sparky and he went and hired Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator? And they spent the first half of that regime together, and that allowed the, the, the young, inexperienced head coach to have that mentor on staff helping him. I love that move. Um, I don't want to spoil one of my buys when we talk about Luke Getze, so I'm going to hold off on Getze, and then we'll end this segment with uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh. You're not a fan. I'm a fan. I think it's great. I'm 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 conflicted about Harbaugh, to be honest. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think Harbaugh is any kind of dummy or anything like that. But the you know the Greg Roman offensive coordinator hire. Uh, it's, it's not a great fit for the pieces they, they have in place there right now. Uh, Harbaugh and Roman typically play at a very slow pace, which for the fantasy game, that's not great news. You know, they do make up for it with some better efficiency a lot of times. But, you know, it, it, the Harbaugh offenses and the Roman offenses have typically been very, very run heavy. Now, that they have not had a quarterback probably of the caliber of Justin Herbert. And, you know, so I want to believe, I, you know, part of, part of me is saying, hey, Jim Harbaugh just took a Michigan program uh, to the national championship, won the national championship. All the while, you know, during the last four years, the NIL has just completely changed the face of college football. So it's not like he can't, you know, he's not a guy who can't adapt, grow, change, all that kind of stuff. I'm just, you know, I like the hire on face value. When I dig in, I'm like, you know, the pieces that they have don't really seem to match what he prefers to run. I don't know. I, 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 I keep going so back and forth on the guy. For me, with, with, with Jim Harbaugh, I think people only see what they've seen of his offense the last few years. Same with Greg Roman. But I think mm -hmm. Jim Harbaugh is like that really good chef on Chopped. You know, they, they, they give you a turnip, a rutabaga, a bag of pie filling, and like a cutting board, and then are like, make a dinner. And, and, and that's Jim Harbaugh. I think he'll take, instead of having to have the right ingredients to do what he does, he's going to take the ingredients that he has and make the best dish that he can out of them. And when you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Justin Herbert, and they've got a lot of holes to fill. You know, Gerald Everett is a free agent. Austin Eckler's a free agent. 
So they could be going out to get a guy like Derek. I, we don't know. Um, I just trust Jim Harbaugh as much as I don't like the Harbaugh family. I do trust him to to use the pieces and use them well. Let's have some intriguing ones a little bit. Dan, you, you're intrigued by Mike McDaniel and Ryan Group up there in Seattle. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, McDonald was a great hire because I think he probably fits um, – as a, a, a good successor, as a Pete Carroll type coach, uh, you know, it, it, it's almost like a younger version of Carroll. Um, I think he's a good motivator. I think he's a good schemer. Um, I think he's going to have that defensive side of the ball locked down pretty well, uh, you know, because he was with Harbaugh in Michigan and then he went with, uh, you know, he went from Jim to John over in uh, Baltimore and did a magnificent job with the, the Baltimore defense this past year. And then you add in uh, Ryan Grubb, who came from the Washington Huskies. He actually took a job with uh, the Alabama uh, Crimson Tide. So he tried to move in within the college ranks when they didn't make him the, the head coach at Washington. And then McDonald poached him for Seattle. And, and I'll tell you what, Grubb has done a really good job of taking whatever he's got and matching his scheme to the players. And uh, he had he had great pieces for a passing game in Washington, and he he did a fantastic job with it. So I'm intrigued to see what he can do with uh, you know because there's a pretty good collection of skill players there uh, in Seattle. So I'm I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I'm actually intrigued to see if he will. This is a a very generic, you know, paint by numbers prediction slash question. I'm going to ask out loud. But I saw how he used Roma Dunze with all those deep passes last year. And I'm wondering, can, can, can DK Metcalf? I'm not trying to compare an incoming rookie to an existing, existing proven veteran. But it does make me wonder. Um, I don't mind the grub hire. I would have loved to have seen uh, Mike McDonald as a defensive-minded, non-offensive coach hire that veteran. Like, was Jim Caldwell available? You know, a guy like that, just to have on the staff, make him an assistant. It's not your money. You know, the the, the owners pay these guys, these these extra coaches, not you. I would have loved to have seen that one. Um, the one that I'm intrigued by is Alex Van Pelt. Because I think that Cleveland offense, I mean, we saw Josh Dobbs be successful in it. We saw, um, goodness, Deshaun Watson was starting to come around a little bit. Joe Flacco won comeback player of the year. My only concern or intrigue with New England is like, what are the parts? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably going to be a rookie quarterback, 99% rookie quarterback. And, and then what? There's not good weapons there. Um, I, I'm intrigued not because I don't think these guys can be good. I'm intrigued because there's not shit there to be intrigued by, to be quite <laughs> honest. Right, yeah. See, see the thing is, They've, they can go a couple different ways because they have a ton of salary cap available, uh, which is, by the way, one of the things I don't like about Harbaugh is he's, he's got to dig out of a big salary cap hole. Uh, I, I don't see how he can keep both uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams together because it's just going to be too tough. Mike uh, Williams is going to look great in a new offense next exactly. year. Exactly. <laughs> because it ain't going to be Keenan Allen. <laughs> I, I, I think you're right about that. But anyway, getting, getting back to the, uh, the Patriots, They've got a ton of cap room, and they have that number three pick in the draft. So you know what? They can they can look in free agency because they're going to – free agency comes before the draft. So they can look at these quarterbacks. They can make some offers to some, you know, veteran quarterbacks and so forth like that. You know, could they could they talk Kirk Cousins into coming there? You know, who knows? You know, and if they can do that, then you use that number three pick and you go get yourself, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. or – you know, Malik Neighbors or whoever you want, and they could go that way. Or they could, uh, you know, also just draft a, draft a quarterback with that number three pick, and then they could go out and grab that free agent wide receiver, Mike Williams or whoever. Uh, you know, so they've got different ways that they can build that team, but they definitely have the, – the, the passing game is a mess, and they've got to get that fixed. The, the ground game is all right. The defense is all right. So, you know, really they just need to work on getting a competent passing offense going. No, that, that's a good one. We were both intrigued by Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury. I think with Cliff Kingsbury, I think the hire is, and I don't want to read too much into this, but that's kind of what we do. I think this is Washington saying, hey, 
we're not going to get Caleb Williams. We're going to wind up with the second pick. The Bears are not the the Bears are not moving off that one. They're drafting Caleb Williams, and we're going to wind up with our choice of the other two. We saw the success Cliff Kingsbury had with Kyler Murray, a very mobile quarterback who can you know understands understands those college concepts, how to bring a college quarterback from the NCAA to the NFL. I think you're going to wind up getting Jaden Daniels there in Washington, and I and I think that's going to be an extremely intriguing situation. Yeah, I I, I agree, and I'm right there with you. I think the intrigue is really about who they add at quarterback and and how well uh, Kingsbury can bring him along because he did do a really good job with uh, Kyler Murray. He did a really nice job with uh, Patrick Mahomes back at Texas Tech. Uh, you know, the main problem with Kingsbury is that. His offenses over the course of the year kind of get worse. It's like defenses kind of figure it out. And, you know, but he was also head coach, so he had so many more responsibilities. Maybe if he's just offensive coordinator, he can keep adding those new wrinkles and keep the offense fresh throughout the year and make it work. Yeah, and we're going to make the rest of this work. We're going to take just a quick timeout to tell you about the injury finder. And then we're going to come back on the other side of this and give you some buys and sells. Hey, you're in your fantasy draft and someone says, Hey, that guy's injury prone. I don't want him. And you're like, "Ah, I don't know. I don't think you can predict injuries. Well, guess what? Now you can injury proneness is real at player profiler. We have the data on these players and it's all in the injury finder app. Their injury track record back through time, exactly where they were injured, how severe it is. We look at the BMI data, and we crunch it all together, and we give you probabilities that a player will miss multiple games this NFL season, as well as the complete database of NFL injuries and the ability to compare two players and look at their injury track record. The injury finder is powerful, and it's only 5 bucks. If it's worth it to have that peace of mind when you're drafting, go get it. That first of all, any commercial where you can get the Podfather with a megaphone, that's not even a commercial. That's like part of the entertainment of the show. One, two, startup season's here. Like I said, we're getting ready to start a startup in our, our, our patron league at patreon.com forward slash dynasty warzone. Uh, have some spots filling up for new patrons. So if that's you, better get in there before it fills. And uh, I, it, it's, it's a good time to do it. And Dan, we're going to get to the thing. Everybody wants to know, okay, great, Memphis, you guys like him. Dan, you don't like him. What are you guys doing? Dan, just give me – you can read off your list. We, we won't have quite enough time to go one by one, but I tell you what, I'll read Dan's list, and then, Dan, we can kind of just fire through them. Uh, Dan is selling Justin Herbert, Jonathan Mingo, Demario Douglas, Devontae Adams, and George Pickens. Dan, how did you come to that list? I understand the Justin Herbert one. Right. Yeah. And, and again, you cannot, you know, this is not selling Herbert off for whatever you can get. I mean, it's, you need to get a, a really nice haul for him. Jonathan Mingo, just don't believe in him. Demario Douglas, he is not going to be the alpha receiver that he, he kind of was by default last year. Uh, he is just a, he's a slot guy. Uh, those guys come and go with a win. Right now, if he's got value, if you could get a second-round pick for Demario Douglas, I would get that, take that all day long, and uh, you know, just hang on to the liquidity of the pick. Devontae Adams, I just think the Luke Getty offense is going to be a mess. Uh, Adams, I, you know, I just don't think he's going to be able to perform to the level he's going to need to at his age for you to try to hang on to him. If you can sell him to somebody who's who's convinced that he's going to do better this year than last year, do it. And Pickens is just going to be starved for targets. Uh, we haven't seen more than, I think it's 116 targets from any Arthur Smith wide receiver in the five years he's been running an offense. Uh, and Pickens last year got 106. So, you know, that tells me he's going to do no better than last year. So if you can find somebody who thinks that, that Pickens is ready to ascend, especially when De- Deontay Johnson ends up getting cut or traded, which I think one of the two is going to happen. Everybody's going to be on Pickens, and that's going to be the time to sell. You know, I, I like the Pickens call. I didn't think about that. The one that I, I think that you can use the narrative to make the final sell, we kind of mentioned this earlier in the show about Travis Kelsey, older gent uh, as it relates to the NFL, not life. 
But Devontae Adams, I think you just simply go, Luke Getzey last year, did, did you see how he fed DJ Moore? Why wouldn't he feed Devontae Adams? You know what? It, it's a great opportunity. If you, but Again, this is where you got to put on your salesman hat and you have to go out there and sell these guys. Hey, this is going to be huge for him. ton of volume, which is true. But as 1912 Fantasy mentioned in the chat, you know, we don't know who his quarterback's even going to be. So there, there's a lot still to be un, uh, unsolved there in Las Vegas. Um, those are the ones mine were – and I'll read mine off, and then, Dan, we can jump in here as well. I got Baker Mayfield, clear concerns about Canellis, who revived his career not being there. Um, Tajay Spears. Uh, Joe Mixon's done okay in that offense in Cincinnati, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Rashad White, C. Baker, comma Mayfield, you know. Um, I, I don't know what this offense looks like without Canellis. Ramondre Stevenson, I was never a Ramondre any, guy anyway, and I think he's going to get a, a teammate that's going to come in there uh, and, and hurt him. And then I mentioned earlier Drake London. I just don't think – I think – this is going to be a good role for a wide receiver, and I think he'll be okay. I think they'll add more of a slot shifty guy to go along with Pitts. And London will have big games, but he won't have a big season. So those are my sells, Dan. Yeah, and uh, as you will see in my buys, I'm going to have issue with a couple of them. <laughs> but uh, it, Overall, I'm, I, I'm neutral on it's Baker. A, it's a great transition spot, though, Dan. It, it, it is, though. So. Uh, I would push back the most on Rashad White other than the people we're going to push push on uh, when we talk about trade targets. Because here's the thing. Baker Mayfield relentlessly checks down to running backs. And that's exactly where Rashad White's bread and butter is. That's not going away. Uh, he's done that everywhere that he's gone. And so I see that continuing. And, you know, while I think Tampa is going to add to the running back room, they have to. I think that could actually be a pretty decent thing for Rashad White because if they can take away some of those empty carries and keep him a little bit fresher, it you know it's not going to hurt him too much for sure. All right, well um, we're on the same page now. You mentioned you're buying Ramondre Stevenson and you're buying Drake London, um, but the one I want you to talk about for me is you're buying Deshaun Watson. Very popular with me. I am a Deshaun Watson, the football player. I'm still a fan. Uh, I, I will not forget what he did in the second half against Baltimore, and I know it's one game, but but he came back and won that game with a high ankle sprain and a shoulder that shut down his season. I think this could finally be the year, uh, but I, I like the Deshaun Watson call, Dan. What what were your thoughts to allow him to make this list? Yeah, and and. and- just to be clear, I mean, you know, the way I look at all fantasy players, I am not endorsing players. I am buying production. You know, that's what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm stealing their production and using it for my fantasy teams. I would never endorse any NFL player, whether they know it, whether they're the man of the year or Deshaun Watson or anywhere in between. Because the thing is, I don't know these guys. You know, everybody's got skeletons in their closet. So let's, you know, I, I forget about all the off the field stuff. I'm just concerned about fantasy stats, and I know that's going to annoy some people, but that's the way it is. Uh, and what I like about Watson is now he's got an offensive coordinator who really knows how to use a dual threat quarterback like uh, Josh Allen. And as you said, Watson was coming back. I mean, you know, we know what Watson used to be. There's no reason he can't be that again. We were seeing signs last year that he was going to be that, and he's still going as like the, the quarterback 20 or something like that in Dynasty. I mean, it's... I forget exactly what it is, but it's way too low. And there's so there's just not that much downside and there's a ton of upside. So, you know, I would I would say, you know, if you can uh if you can do a Jared Goff plus something small for Deshaun Watson, that would be a great trade and you might be able to get it done. I, I was thinking Baker Mayfield. Can I add oh. can I add something to Baker Mayfield to to you know, because Pete right, wrong, or indifferent, and I feel the same way about Justin Fields. People want to like Baker Mayfield. People want to like Justin Fields. There are just some guys, whether it's their college pedigree, their demeanor on the field, there's just something about some guys we just like. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then in the case of Deshaun Watson, he's brought this upon himself. 
something in this case not football related makes people hate him and has created value pockets so i i love deshaun watson i i still think he's talented uh, i'll take his upside in that division uh way over a, a lot of guys um i kind of like golf more than most but I, I do like that call. I'll tell you one guy we do agree on, though. And I think it's he's this year's Trey McBride. It's Michael Mayer. Funny side note, when I was writing this show sheet, I wrote down John Mayer and had to go back in and, 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 and fix it. But uh, what do you like for Michael Mayer? What I like is the fact that, you know, it, he, he's a tight end. We don't necessarily expect that they're going to just come out blaze, guns blazing in year one. The most unfortunate thing for him is that he happened to come out in a draft class where we had, uh, you know, uh, Sam Laporta and uh, Musgrave and Kincaid, you know, and all these guys who, you know, came out firing. So if you're the poor guy who drafted uh, Michael Mayer, you might be feeling left out, you know, like everybody else got to go play with their Jiggy I Joes down at the playground and, you know, you're, you're, you're stuck at the house and you're like, I, I want to go join those guys. And I, I wasn't allowed to, it's coming. Uh, you know, there is a reason why he was the first tight end drafted, which, you know, first tight ends drafted don't always work out, but there was a reason why he was drafted that high. He's a very, very safe player. I think he's, uh, you know, like a Pat Fryermuth in the making. So, um, and with possibly even a little more ceiling than that. And if you can find somebody who's discouraged by, you know, what went on with the rookie tight ends last year, do it. Uh, and, and you mentioned the name because, and, and guys, that just tells you what level of a professional Dan Williamson is. Uh, he mentioned the name Pat Fryermuth. I know he's looking at the show sheet because he's one of mine. Uh, Arthur Smith, former tight ends coach. Dan mentioned it. Deontay Johnson could be on the move in Pittsburgh. And I could see Pat Fryermuth being a big focal point of this offense. As big as a Travis Kelsey? Probably not. Could he be as big of a, of a piece as Sam Laporta? Yeah, and I know that's a, a bit of a bold statement, but you know, you look at like targets, it's I mean, Laporta had a good season, but he wasn't Travis Kelsey. And I think Pat Fryermuth can be much more involved in this offense under Arthur Smith. Again, go look at Ryan Tannehill under Arthur Smith and then compare that same time period. Like if you like laid them over the top of each other, like the, the, the Ryan Tannehill stats was an acetate that you lay over Patrick Mahomes. They were virtually the same in that time period. Ryan Tannehill played real well, and I'm, I, I'm, I, I don't think that Arthur Smith has a magic wand, and he can go in there and anoint, you know, you know, uh, Kenny Pickett as the next Ryan Tannehill. What aspirations for that young man? But I, I think Arthur Smith is also going to be good for Najee Harris. I think that'll be the easy. He fed Derrick Henry. He's going to feed Najee Harris. Big bruising. Alabama running back, yada, yada, yada. I, th I think the one that – and Pickens, you mentioned Pickens is going to get a lot of low. I think the one that's going to get swept under the cracks but not going to be in that limelight is going to be is going to be Pat Fryermuth. Dan, what are your thoughts on Fryermuth? Yeah, I like Fryermuth a lot. Um, you know, I, I think Laporta might be a little bit of a stretch, but, uh, you know, the guy has – He's got a lot of ability. He's he's kind of a, a Cole Komet type um, in a way to me. I think he might end up getting that sort of usage where a little bit tough to count on from week to week, but he's going to have some big games in there. And, uh, you know, it, and as you said, Arthur Smith, he definitely knows what to do with the tight end. So, uh, and Fryermuth is coming off a really terrible season too, which is the nice thing because his price should be, uh, depressed right now. So that's a, always a great time to go out and buy. All right. A couple more that I'll, I'll throw in. I didn't throw in Zamir White, but I think he could be a winner if he mm -hmm. avoids serious competition there in Las Vegas. And Las Vegas also not in great cap shape. But the, the ones that I'm very interested in uh, of the second year running backs, again, you're going to hear a lot of Tajay Spears, nothing against Tajay Spears. I think the, the dynasty community has already squeezed a lot of the value out of the Tajay Spears. I'm going to go out and try to get Kendra Miller and Roshan Johnson. I just I, I saw Kendra Miller at TCU. 
He came into the season banged up last year. Uh, Kamara came back, played great. They brought in Jamal Williams. I think Kamara's gone, and you're going to see probably within the first month of the season, I think you'll see Kendra Miller take over. And again, I believe in my guys, and, and Dallas said that Kendra Miller's going to look good in that zone blocking scheme. By the way, I, I did a little quick research, Dan. Clint Kubiak is the son of Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak's offense was in the top half, so 16 or better. So between 1 and 16 in 20 of 23 seasons, coaching or offensive coordinating. So that that system is is very prolific, and it's very good for fantasy production. Go check out Arian Foster. Not saying Kendra Miller's the next Arian Foster, but we're doing uh, – one, you know, we're doing easy color by numbers. And then Roshan Johnson. I know that they could draft a running back. I know that they could bring in a running back because they have the cap space. But I, I'm going to go get the cheapest option. We, you'll hear this a lot. Hey, if in seasonal leagues, in best ball, if you like two wide receivers or, you know, three pass catchers, if you include the tight end, just give me the cheapest option because I want to be attached to Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow, whoever. So um, I'll just take the cheapest option of these uh, running backs in their second year, Roshan Johnson, and then the last one, Bryce Young. So, so that was the that rounds out my list, Dan. Yeah, I think that's a good list. Um, you know, Roshan and Kendra have plenty of promise. Uh, you know, we didn't really just like Michael Meyer, we didn't really get to see as much of them last year as we wanted to. Uh, so I think they've they've got uh, they. They've got great promise. You know, they were drafted for a reason. So, you know, let it play out. Sometimes with the running backs, tight ends, it takes an extra year, especially when those running backs were drafted a little bit later. I mean, you know, we don't see a lot of second-round running backs anymore. Uh, so when, when we start talking about third-rounders, uh, they don't they don't always pop in year one. 100%. And, and just remember, and I liked how Dan brought it up about Laporta and Kincaid. We can't hold – someone else's success in their rookie year against someone who didn't blow up because I asked myself if Michael Mayer went to the Detroit Lions are we talking about Michael Mayer the same way that we're talking about Sam Laporta they didn't land in identical situations and and some of these guys eventually they're going to level out they're, they're going to level out um, I, I like that one quite a bit yeah, I think Michael Mayer if I had to put a stamp on one especially as much tight end premium as you and I play. Most of our leagues tend to be super flex, tight end premium, uh, 1.5 or 1.75 premium for the tight ends. And, and I, I think he's going to be a big go-get for me, maybe even a hair uh, ahead of Friermuth. But um, guys, be prepared for more Dan. Um, when Dan joined on with Player Profiler, I had a conversation with Theo. He was like, hey, I've, I've always loved Dan. Uh, I, I love you guys. Can you guys do some stuff? I was like, dude, Dan can just come on like every time. I think I think Dan's one of the best in the business. Super sharp guy, brings a very unique perspective. So you'll see a lot of me and Dan, Dan and Jerry, me, Dan and Jerry. You, you never know what, what combination you're going to get. We're going to involve Dan a lot, especially as we get into startup season, uh, free agent season, rookie season. We're going to cover them all. And uh, it's an exciting time for me. So, Dan, thank you for being here the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue to bring you on because you bring a lot to the show. I really appreciate that, Randy. I enjoy being on here with you guys and chopping it up. I mean, it's just one of my favorite shows to be on. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And make sure you're checking out Player Profiler tomorrow because I have my next uh, article dropping tomorrow morning. It's going to be the uh, a, a look at the Dynasty Buys and Sells and, uh, you know, just – kind of what we're doing right now, uh, looking at the whole teams in general for the AFC South. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the AFC North will be coming soon after that, and the AFC West, and then we'll move over to the NFC. So a lot of good articles coming out. Uh, please make sure you check them out. Yeah, and uh, for those of you that watch the live stream, the dozens and dozens, we'll, we'll call it 100-plus people that cycled in and out of this feed tonight, first of all, thank you for watching the show with us. Second of all, you got to see Dan's article on Tuesday. For the podcast listener, that article is already up. So if you're hearing this on Wednesday via podcast, that article's up at Player Profiler. It's Dan Williams' article. Uh, I'm sure Dan, Dan does a better job of promoting his work than I do of mine. But uh, Dan, Dan will tweet it out on Tuesday. 
um, at overhyped sleeper, drop the last E. And there's always uh, benefits to getting in something early. You get in our patron, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. We're going to be doing a startup, I said, between the Super Bowl and March 1st. We're still in that window. So check us out. Get with me before all the spots fill up. And uh, Dan, we'll, we'll figure out what next week looks like. Hopefully we get Jerry back. Please don't hold this one against Jerry. Uh, we all wanted to uh, watch the Super Bowl. And considering the game didn't end almost until 11 Eastern time, I, 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 I think we made the right choice. And you made the right choice tuning into the Dynasty War Zone. Please check out Player Profiler and all of Dan's work. And until next time, uh, Dan, any final last uh, words of wisdom before we get the hell out of here? Man, just keep listening to the Dynasty War Zone. That's, that's my words of wisdom. You keep listening to this show, you're going to be a better Dynasty player. No two well, sure. about it. We'll, we'll sharpen you right up. Well, until next week, you guys have a great week. And remember, here at the Dynasty War Zone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. Take care, guys. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.